Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we're in episode 78 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. Today is June 28, 2023, and we're fortunate to have Jennifer Gimble join us. Her resume is long and distinguished. Jennifer is a senior water policy scholar and former interim director at the Colorado Water Center. Jennifer has experience in law and policy on national, interstate, and state water issues. She was the principal deputy assistant secretary for water and science at the Department of Interior, overseeing the USGS and Bureau of Reclamation. She was also deputy commissioner for the Bureau of Reclamation and counselor to the assistant secretary. Jennifer was the director of the Colorado Water Conservation Board, the Water Policy Agency for Colorado. As a water lawyer, she worked for the Attorney General's offices in Wyoming and Colorado. In 2022, she received the Aspinall Award from Colorado Water Congress. As a Terry J. Stevenson Fellow for the Common Sense Institute, she and Eric Kuhn produced a report, Adapting Colorado's Water Systems for a 21st Century Economy and Water Supply. Frankly, I'm intimidated by her, but I have ideas I want to share with her and get her responses, and she has agreed to give me feedback. In interviews with others, she said we should be looking for whatever we can do to ignite our imagination on water use, and I seem to have a vivid imagination. She has also said that our water law is a good framework, but sometimes we need to challenge our elected officials to change the laws. Jennifer, I like what you say about someone has to lead, and then hopefully others can climb on board. So true. So the genesis of solutions seems not to come from collaboration, but from one individual or one city or one water district trying to solve its own water problems, coming up with a solution, and then hopefully getting others on board. So I'm going to throw out five ideas and ask for her responses. Some may be easy to accomplish and others may be impossible. Maybe I ask her to rate them on a 1 to 10 scale as to what she thinks of these ideas. In earlier episodes, I have enunciated five ideas I would like to see our state pursue. If okay with Jennifer, I'll just go down and list those and we can talk about them. I won't be embarrassed if she says any or all of them are not good suggestions. First, Jennifer, thank you for taking time to share your ideas. Tommy, thank you for approaching me. I appreciate having the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners. Well, I have heard you speak, and I'm very impressed and glad we could get together. So let's just discuss some of these ideas. Number one is I think the legislature should pass a law to allow farmers to more easily sell saved water to cities. Do our laws now allow farmers to sell saved water to cities? It does, but they have to go to water court and they have to change the use of that water. So whatever water they've consumptively used under a water right 
they have the ability to change that water right. But it does take uh, an action of the court. And then that leads to many opposers who are worried about how that changes the regimen of the river and whether or not they'd be injured by that. And that's a lengthy and sometimes costly project. It's a very proposal. costly, yes. Yes. I wonder if there's a way to simplify it. For instance, maybe that an engineering company evaluate the farmer's consumptive use that he's going to save and then allow cities to transfer maybe 80% of that number without going to water court. Is is that something that you think could be supported by the state legislature? I think that's more complicated than it seems. Okay. <laughs> and um, I think that everybody is for making things a little more efficient. And in fact, the water court itself is now more efficient because 10 years ago, uh, Justice Hobbs on the Supreme Court, uh, Colorado Supreme Court, said, Water court's too slow. We need to make it faster. And so they created a whole new rules for water court that did allow things to go at a better speed. So there are there are tweaks that can be made. And, and again, our underlining framework is good. So how do, we, how do we tweak it? I think there have been attempts to have the state engineer look at that and it, it, you know, make it more of an administrative process rather than a court process. That comes with a whole list of concerns because if you're hurting somebody's water right, they have the right to complain, and they have, and that has to be shown. And so, you have that complex system again, where it doesn't matter if it's the state engineer or it's the court. People have to have the ability to say you're injuring me and to prove it. I really like the idea of it becoming an administrative process and that the state engineer, a non-biased third party, could look at this and make a recommendation. And maybe people that think they're being injured could appeal that administrative process within a reasonable time, maybe 90 days or something like that, and let the state engineer just say, no, that's the way it's going to be. I, I think that might accomplish the same thing as a very complicated court process. You might, Tommy, want to look at other states. I think some states have tried to make that an easier process. I'm thinking Utah, but I'm not exactly sure about that. Okay. Great. I will. It seems to me like New Mexico has an administrative process too, but Right. Well, all, all the other states, Colorado is the only state with a water court. All the other states, anything to do with water rights, is an administrative problem. But the question about saving the water and putting it to a different use in a different place, that's, that has to go through some process. Okay. I can understand the court system and everyone wanting to protect downstream users but I've never understood why the court system wants to know where you're going to put that changed water. What difference does it make if I've gone through the court process and I've bought a farm in Longmont and I want to move that water to Denver or to Arapahoe County? 
as long as I can get that water there, what difference does it make where that water goes, that consumptive use water? Does it make any difference? Yes, it does. Oh, it Again, does. It's, it's regarding the regimen of the river, and it's not just downstream users that could be affected. Upstream stream rivers users also could, because many upstream users have exchanges down lower where they can pull water, a junior's water up above, and then make sure the junior gets that senior water down below. And so you have to take into account all of those complex interactions, and um, it just it could it could affect it. I hadn't thought about an upstream user having an exchange that might be. So if a farmer takes takes his water and wants to give his used water to a municipality, he's no longer drawing water off that river. He's no longer putting return flows into that river at the time the return flows used to go into the river. Right. That's where the regimen of the river changes. That's right. It, so the return flows have to match in time, place, and, and quantity. Yes. Yes, I understand that. But the consumptive use that was never part of any regimen downstream or anything else once you determine what that consumptive use is, you if, can change it. You just have to go to Water Court. You can change it, but one of the requirements of Water Court is they want to know where that water is going. <laughs> I'm going, why? Because it's a requirement under the prior appropriation system and under our statutes. The timing, the, the amount, the place of use, and the type of use are part of your water right. So if you put it to use someplace else, that's a change. Okay. I think Jennifer and I discussed that on boards. It's, it's the, not as easy as it seems. No, I understand. It's, it's, it's an idea to, to be discussed. Okay. And there and, are and, 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 experts better than me that could probably help you with it. And there are lots of people out there that know, know a billion times more than I do. But I still have formed some opinions and will disagree with you why it makes a difference where that consumptive use is transferred to. If they wanted to transfer it to the moon, they should be able to do that. But that's neither here nor there. Okay, let's go on with my second. second We've kicked the first one. Do away with 1041 regulations. Uh, to me, this is inadvertently set up inter-county squabbles that prevent legally purchased water from being moved to places it is it is needed. The Larimer County denial of the Thornton Project is a travesty to me that I think should be corrected. Your comments on doing away with 1041? Do you? Well, you have to remember why 1041 was put in there to begin with, was, was enacted to begin with, and that is that communities were feeling negative impacts of projects, and they weren't being mitigated by the proponents of those projects. And so that's uh, where the community said, we need to have a say in what's going on here. And so there's, there's a good reason for having 1041. Unfortunately, 1041 becomes then a political process because decisions are made by elected officials, councils, yes, city councils or county commissioners. 
And that that's that's a struggle. You know, we may not agree with the decision that the Larimer County made on Thornton, but they did make a good decision on the uh, Northern Integrated Supply Project by Northern Water. And it took a lot of mitigation efforts on Northern's part to make sure that we could satisfy the concerns by citizens and the council. That we could satisfy concerns that Northern Colorado... So that Northern Water could could you know do what mitigation is required make sure that you know the environment is being taken care of uh, talking about joint projects with the county like park projects around reservoir and, you know. well the the three that I'm familiar with was expansion of gross where Boulder County used the 1041 yeah. which was basically settled by a money payment, as I understand. As was Windy Gap Furring. I'm sorry? As was Windy Gap Furring. Okay. Although that wasn't a 1041 issue. It was not a 1041 no. issue. That was a challenge in court by environmental. Okay. Well, and, and I'm not going to ask you to ag- agree with me, but let, let me expound a little further. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> on my feelings on the Thornton Project is here the water supply and storage company for over 100 years has been diverting water out of the pooter through its ditches, taking that water to Weld County, where most of the water is used. So for over 100 years, Larimer County has not enjoyed that water going down the pooter. But yet they use the 1041 process. And as you say, it's a political decision. And to me, it's sort of like it's it's was sort of blackmail that Larimer County said, no, we want you to leave that water in the pooter as a benefit to the citizens of Fort Collins. This is the way I read it. And I just I just don't think that's right. Uh, Fort Collins, Larimer County, for over 100 years has not benefited by that water being left in the pooter. And now they've used the 1041 as blackmail to say, no, you're going to leave it in the pooter. No, that's just – it just strikes me that that's not right. So we'll, we'll go <laughs> unless you want to. Say anything further. I prefer not to not to say anything. Okay, I understand. Jennifer does serve on board, so she could be in a, a little sensitive position, <laughs> and I understand that. Okay, bring back Two Forks Reservoir. I really think that should happen. Oh my God! If we'd had Two Forks Reservoir, we wouldn't have needed Gross, and we wouldn't have needed Windy Gap Firming, and we wouldn't have needed. I think you're being facetious, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not really being facetious. I'm thinking that if we had that reservoir built in the '90s, because it was the '80s when we were proposing it, it would have taken care of a lot of the issues we're dealing with. And it would have, as I remember, it was like a million acre foot reservoir with a hundred thousand acre foot of firm annual yield. That would have saved taking 100,000 acres of irrigated farm ground out of production because the cities are going to do that. We seem to be in agreement there. <laughs> Maybe we should high five. <laughs> well, I, I understand the 
the sway of environmentalists and their concerns. I, I understand that, but I think we ended up doing more environmental damage by having to build the di- numerous different projects than we would have with just the one. I, hooray, I'm speaking to the choir here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Of course, when EPA denied that permit, when was that, in 1980? 88 is what sticks in my mind, but I don't know if that's the right thing. Well, when they denied the permit, the process to make a decision on whether to approve or deny after you've done all these studies is sort of a cost-benefit analysis. And I think you're agreeing with me that over time, back in 1980 or whenever it was denied, EPA felt that Denver and the suburbs could use other sources of water, which they've done, and they've conserved a lot of water. But over time, things change. And one of them is, hey, we're going to have to start buying and drying unless we have two forks. I think that it should be reinitiated. I have talked to at least one senator, and he says that that brings so much baggage that it's hard to reinstitute. I, I agree. Well, okay. Well, you know, yay! I, I, I don't think we can we can do it now, but um, it's really too bad we couldn't do it. Well, I, I disagree that we can't do it now. I mean, I think we've looked at so many. Other, there's very few alternatives left, and I think yes, you know, many of the environmental studies have already been done. Let's just run it up the flagpole again and see what EPA says. Good luck with that, Tom. Yeah. I'm I'm not an elected official, but I talk to them. (laughs) I'm going to continue talking to them. Okay. This is a double negative, but we, from the governor on down, need to quit discouraging buy and dry. To me, that's the only source of quote, new water for our city's growth. I think everybody recognizes there will continue to be buy and dry. Do you agree with that? There's going to be buy and dry. Yeah. That's the only water that's available out there. Yep. I think what our elected officials are thinking, though, is that we have to be sensitive to that and try to figure out alternatives for those farmers who want to keep farming but want to be able to use their water, put their water on the market for the municipality to use, then then we should figure out some options to allow them to do that. And we have. We call them alternative transfer methods. We call them? Alternative transfer methods. Mm -hmm. And this is where maybe a farmer in a municipality have an agreement that during a very serious drought year, when certain levels uh, in the city's reservoirs are low, the farmer will follow his land, and that water then will be used for the city. Right. All that's been cleared by the water court, by the way. Okay. So, so, so there's that method. Um, there's also looking at maybe not watering your crop as much. We do a lot of experiments at the water center with the uh, ag stations, experimental stations. That they're, they're trying to figure out that can we, what can how how can we limit the amount of water a crop uses and what does it do to it? Okay, this is not on my list of questions, but you you sort of 
led into another of my hot buttons that I think we ought to be pursuing, and that is raising cattle fodder using hydroponics. And there is a group here locally called Farm Box Foods. They sell the containerized units. They don't care what you use them for, but they experiment with them. And one of their experiments is using uh, raising cattle fodder, i.e. barley, and they can harvest uh, 800, over 800 pounds good cattle feed per week, and it uses less than 5% of the comparable amount of food stock or, or cattle fodder from mm-hmm. alfalfa. One of these units could replace 30 acres of alfalfa. So that's a huge water savings. Now, the cattle still need some alfalfa for the roughage, but this sort of thing is going to happen. It's going to be a cultural shift for the farmers because he's out there using his tractor to raise alfalfa year in and year out. But this kind of comes back to if a farmer had 200 acres of alfalfa and he took 100 acres out of that and put in three of these units, he would be saving roughly 120 acre feet of consumptive use of water and still growing the same amount of cattle feed. That's something I think is is has got to come. I think there's uh, definitely a future for hydroponics, not only for that, but just for uh, Feeding America. Sure. I, I totally agree with that. And that. Okay, so we talked about buying dry is happening. And so here's my final thought. If the state recognizes that there is going to be some buying dry, and it's not going to happen overnight, you know, there's going to be a thousand acre feet taken out this year and maybe a thousand next year. Let's set up a zone based on watersheds for future buying dry. Such a zone could be close to the front range. The zone would then revert to dry land farming or to parks, etc. Tax incentives and other inducements could be provided by the state. Better to have a plan for buying dry than just willy-nilly as it seems to be now. And again, if you had this zone set up and everyone knew that the state was basically going to approve transfer of water from that zone, the prices of water in that zone are going to skyrocket. So the farmers are not going to be hurt. I'm never going to force a farmer to sell. If he's within that zone and he doesn't want to sell, he doesn't have to. But let's set up a zone and recognize that have a plan. What about the farmer outside that zone that wants to sell? Why shouldn't we help him? We should. We should, by the way. I'm, I'm not. Okay. But right now, you see what's happening. The latest proposal is this uh, South Platte, where they're going to take water out near Sterling. It's the South Platte Partnership. South Platte Partnership. I mean, so I've been to meetings on that and understand. I think I understand what's Parker going on. Yeah. Well, that's a 120-mile pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> if we had a zone, say, set up. On the Thompson River, it's so much closer, plus they might be able to do some sort of exchanges on the plat. A zone on the Thompson River, though, would 
be harmful to those. Again, we're talking return flows going down. It would probably hurt those farmers down in the lower South Platte. Not if you just take the consumptive use. (laughs) 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 Jennifer's coming from this from a studied and educated point of view. I'm coming at it from a point of view of, let's try to get something done, damn it. (laughs) Well, I'm all for trying to get something done. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard. It's hard. There are challenges. I'd kind of like to set up a a new system within the state, and I'll be the first to run for water czar. And I ask your support. (laughs) 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 I'll not only... Set up the laws, but I'll administer them. <laughs> hey, it's great if you can be king for the day, right? There you go. There you go. Think of how many, if, if we were to do things differently, think, think of all the things that would change. Jennifer, you, you've thought about this a lot more than I have. Is there anything that you would like to see either changed or make it easier for us to um, get new water into basically the city system because that's who needs the water. I I just think we need to be aware that that there's no one thing that's the magic bullet. It's gonna take a lot of different things. I just suggested five. (laughs) (laughs) And good luck with those. (laughs) Good luck with well thank you for your time. It's it's fun. I love talking about water, particularly with people like you that that understand water and water law and uh, protection of other water users better than I do. Uh, My experience has just been limited to talking to these farmers and understanding what they're doing with the water and hearing their side. And then every once in a while, I talk to city folk and understand their side. And it is complicated, but we've gotten ourselves into a mess one final thing jumped into my mind. We're not nearly as in a big a mess as Arizona. On my previous episode, I really laid into Arizona. Uh, you probably read that they're talking about now building a 150-mile pipeline to the to the Gulf of California, desalinating water. And that is so ridiculous when they could start regulating their groundwater usage, you know, that groundwater is going to disappear on them and then they're going to be in real trouble. Hooray for Colorado. <laughs> Hooray for Colorado. I I know. That. So we, we both love living here and think it's a wonderful thing. Jennifer, thank you for your time. And I always end by inviting my guests to go sit down by my favorite mountain stream and listen to it. So thank you. Thanks, Tony. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye.